Running a small business is hard work. Fortunately, Gusto makes the payroll and HR part super easy. Gusto offers flexible benefits, simple onboarding, and more to put the joy back in running your business. And right now, our listeners get three months free. Go to gusto.com forward slash millionaire mindcast. That's gusto.com forward slash millionaire mindcast. The nice thing is the debt ceiling is going to be raised. There's just going to be some concessions made on both sides in order to get that done. And they're going to push it up pretty close to the wire, it seems like, before they get that done. I don't really see any other headwinds, though, in front of us after the debt ceiling gets raised, unless something that is not accumulated right now comes to fruition and uh, rears its ugly head. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show of Money Moves. As always, your host, Matty A, my co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. We cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance to help you on your journey to that million-dollar milestone and beyond. Breedwell, what it do? What is up, buddy? Um, Coming, you know what's so crazy is we're doing we are doing this one virtually, but we're mere one point eight miles away from each other. I know we're really <laughs> close. I'm heading to the airport uh, to head out to Vegas. Here, you're doing what I did last week. You're doing a little quick I'm trip. In, I had to go to Texas. I'm in out. I'm gonna yeah. be. Uh, it's I'll be home for dinner tonight, so we'll just say that. But uh, I'm gonna be touring a, a new hotel out there that I've been negotiating on off market, and it's. Getting a little hot and heavy, so I'm um, yeah. I'm looking at a pretty. This is a distressed opportunity with an operator. The property's in relatively good shape, but the operator is burnt out, yeah. and um, they're they've got. This is a perfect example of commercial real estate loans coming due, and they don't have a good option to refi. Therefore, they just got to cash in the chips and get out of it. And they are up against the clock. They waited a little too long. Didn't necessarily take into account how long it was going to take to, you know, go through the process of getting potential, you know, loan commitments and banks that might be on board. And after kind of, you know, going through that process, they realized, one, they're not going to get the interest rates that make sense. And two, they're not going to be able to probably complete that in time based on what the lenders are going to require of them to, you know, fund that potential opportunity. Uh, on a recapitalization. So they're exploring a quick, let's get out. And that timing aligns with uh, one of my sales of what's going on right now. So I'll be heading out there and uh, I'll see if I can play a couple penny slots for you in the, in the airport. Yeah, do you? Well, not in the airport. That's something good. You got to do it at a hotel or something. I'm, I'm not going to stand in a hotel. But I'm yeah. literally, I'm going airport to resort right back to the airport. That's going to be a nice, fun trip. At least it's only like an hour flight. Super easy. So, uh, well, welcome in, guys. We got a great show for you today. We got Mr. Breedwell's prediction on the next run in the real estate market, specifically what sector of that is going to be, um, what's it going to be driven by? We got big news for Apple that was announced this week. We'll discuss that. Um, a lot of people are talking about the housing market starting to recover already. We'll have some more data around that. We've got some reports showing the poor becoming poorer. And we're going to get Mr. Breedwell's take around what we're seeing with that side of things. 
recession talk continues and some concerns that recession talk can have, at least that I have, for individuals that continue to buy into this narrative and how it can hurt your wealth building. Of course, the big topic of conversation is around the debt ceiling and will it get passed or will the U.S. default? We will be talking about all things money on today's show. Before we dig in, if you are new to the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And of course, if you enjoy the show, any of the content that we share, any of the uh, back and forth arguments that Breedwell and I get in, uh, be sure to leave us a review. Uh, Whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on. And of course, don't forget to take advantage of the two things that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast listeners, their free financial... Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Financial x-ray from Ryan and his team, Mr. Breedwell, what do they get? when they text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. We will go through your current investments and or insurance and or both, or we can kind of go over what those things look like and kind of give you an apples to apples comparison of what you're doing, how much you're paying, what that might look like from a long-term perspective verified by a third party. And if you want to make those changes, we're happy to help you do so. You can, again, get connected with Ryan and his team by texting the word X-Ray to 844-447-1555. For all my accredited investors that are looking for passive income investment opportunities, you want to get on my deals list and see what kind of opportunities I put out. We do this um, a couple times a year. And you can get first notification by being on that list by just texting the word DEALS to 844-447-1555. With that being said, don't forget to check out all the great things that we got at millionairemindcast.com for you guys. Um, Obviously, show notes, links, all the resources for you and some great products and things that will help you on your wealth building journey at the store. That's millionairemindcast.com. All right, Mr. Breedwell. So we might as well just dig in. I'm in. The biggest topic of conversation. Really, it seems like the market has been going horizontal, ceiling, trying to figure out what it wants to do based on the news. 
of the left and the right coming together and figuring out whether or not they're going to raise the debt ceiling. It sounds like this last week, the House actually approved a debt ceiling increase. That is the Biden Biden has not signed off on it yet. Yep. And I know that we have, at least on paper, the June 1st debt ceiling limit. It sounds like from more talks, the real... June 12th. Yeah, it says uh, the real deadline is probably more like June 8th to June 10th. That's going to be the greatest risk. Um, Some of the, you know, fear that uh, the White House Council of Economic Advisors is pumping out is that a default could lead to an economic downturn as bad as the Great Recession with 8 million Americans losing their jobs and the stock market's value falling by about 45%. That seems pretty dire. What is going on in your perspective? When will we see this agreement come to place? And what is the White House doing by putting out these types of statistics? Um, I think, again, this is where I've been talking about how I, I don't like that there's, there's so many checks and balances and areas that are political for a financial uh, thing. It just gets used as a political tool on both sides. Um, I do believe the Republicans were trying to negotiate somewhere around February and had reached out, just hadn't got any response until right around when they started these negotiations again. And so it just pushes things really close to the line and forces people to make decisions that are not prudent and short-sighted. And um, it just, it doesn't really help anybody on either side at all. Um, The nice thing is the debt ceiling is going to be raised there's just going to be some concessions made on both sides in order to get that done. And they're going to push it up pretty close to the wire, it seems like, before they get that done. I don't really see any other headwinds, though, in front of us after the debt ceiling gets raised, um, unless something that is not uh, accumulated right now comes to fruition and uh, rears its ugly head. But the debt ceiling should be raised. Um I don't really see a high likelihood of it not being raised. Is there an opportunity for it not to be raised? I, I think that that's, that's a fair statement. But um, the, the fact that politicians would not raise it, I mean, they would all get voted out of office. Uh, it would be bad for the president. It would be bad for current Republican and Democratic senators and congressmen. So just, it's just not good for anybody overall. So it's a lot of showboating, um, kind of uh, chest puffing at this point. But they'll come to an agreement. I thought it was going to be last week, but it ended up not being. But it, it should be this week. And last week, man, Friday was primed to be an awesome day in the market. And then the White House uh, leaked some, you know, information. You know, I think McCarthy said that they hadn't, you know, they, they were kind of not having a good, you know. Ne- Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. When it comes to running a small business, something always comes up. Well, the last thing you need to be worried about is payroll. And Gusto's payroll and HR service definitely makes running a business a lot easier. Gusto was designed for someone just like you, the small business owner. They take the pain out of running a business, automatically calculating paychecks, filing your payroll taxes, setting up open enrollment. Gusto does it all. Now, if you want more, 
They have got time tracking, health insurance, 401k, onboarding, commuter benefits, offer letters, access to HR experts. You get the idea. The list goes on and on. And with Gusto, you can focus on the joy of running your business. It's super easy to set up and get started. And if you're moving from one provider to another, Gusto can transfer all of your data for you. Super simple and easy. It's no surprise 94% of customers are likely to recommend Gusto. 94% and we are one of those customers that has been using Gusto well before I ever brought them on as a sponsor. And here's the best part. Because you're a listener, you get three free months. All you have to do is go to gusto.com forward slash millionaire mindcast. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash millionaire mindcast. I'm telling you guys, Gusto has simplified this process for us and so many other businesses. You're going to love Gusto. Get started today. Negotiation again. And over the weekend, we heard that it was productive. And then yesterday, I believe they said it was productive. So again, lots of showboating. Um, and I don't like that kind of stuff. I just like very much direct stuff when it comes to the market because it causes the market to swing. And, you know, last Friday, it was like $500 million or $600 million swing in market cap value on the S&P in a few minutes just because the White House had said something. So that kind of stuff affects people's retirement accounts. And I, I just don't appreciate that kind of stuff. And then, I, you know, then I get asked questions sometimes by people that I just can't. What am I supposed to say? Well, what's going to happen with the debt ceiling? Well, it's probably going to get raised. When? I don't know. When they decide that politics and and showboating is all over. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't fear that. Um, but this is another reason why I think we should have no debt ceiling. Not a clean debt ceiling, not anything, just no debt ceiling. As long as we service our debt, um, that would be fine. With that being said, our spending needs to go down. You're not supposed to spend more than you make in a, in a year as a country, and we do that quite a bit. So we need to figure out how to get our spending back in order um, so we can get that deficit smaller and smaller and smaller. Because um, it's been on the rise since Jimmy Carter and every other president after him has just risen and risen and risen and risen. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the reason why the, the debt ceiling is somewhat of a, I would say, I, I guess, a proponent for a debt ceiling is so you don't have the negligence of each administration feeling like they got a blank check anytime and every time they want to do something and allocate funds and hard, you know, hardworking American taxpayer dollars. When, you know, there's, there's no, I guess, accountability to it, which... They're trying to stop sending money. Like, again, I don't think what's going on in Ukraine is great. But if you, Ukraine lost the war, that doesn't affect us at all. It really doesn't affect anybody, minus that. Now Russia has somehow to convince 47 million people in a country that hates them that they're now going to rule it. I mean, can you imagine the headache of that? Yeah. So um, I, I don't, you know... When we can't even negotiate on a debt ceiling, but then we're sending $75 billion like last week to Ukraine, that to me just, just shows how mismatched the priorities are in Washington and on Capitol Hill. And it goes back to the current administration and, and them. They will do anything to pander for votes. And that's what it kind of comes down to to me is, is politicians pushing for votes, doing things. Um, especially when the current administration's uh, approval rating is hovering around 36, 37%, which is the lowest, I think, of any president ever or almost ever. So, yeah. Yeah. The debt ceiling, I feel like, is uh, in a perfect world if there was, you know, responsible spending and you have to, there can be no debt ceiling as long as we have, we have to cap. It's really not, it's, it's almost like looking at 
focusing on the wrong thing and trying to fix it to fix the overall overarching problem when spending is the overall problem. We don't, and we know that feeling not, if we're not spending out of control. Yeah, and we know that's not going to happen. So I think that's where the debt ceiling becomes somewhat of the bumper. It used, well, it back used to be not 40 years ago time. or 50 years ago in this before the 70s, it was normal. We ran we ran the country like a, like a business. We were making more money than we were spending. And then we got into war and then we got into debt and then we got into more war and then 2008 happened and then 2020 was really bad. Um, so it's possible. It's not not possible. We just... We can't raise the debt ceiling and then raise spending because then we're going to have to raise the debt ceiling. Again. We have to we raise the debt ceiling and lower spending. We can leave the debt ceiling alone and then continuously lower spending and maybe even eventually lower the debt ceiling. So that that is what happens. You can't raise both of them and say, okay, well, we'll raise how much money we're going to spend and we'll raise how much money we can spend. And, they're, and then in this side, the side that's hurting this side is going to fix itself. It just doesn't work that way. We have to lower spending and we're going to have to cut in areas where we may not want to cut. The thing that we have to spend money on in the United States is our economy, our infrastructure, and our, our uh, citizens, and not, and honestly, our social systems that are supportive of that, like the healthcare system, the old age survivor fund, which is for social security. The healthcare system, so that can insurance companies can give people their health uh, care that they're expecting, not giving money to people that are not taxpayers and not sending money overseas into a place where if you know if we push, if we keep pushing and pushing and pushing, we're going to get ourselves into a conflict, and all that's going to do is drive us even farther into debt. So it's not right. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Our sponsor today is Uplift Desk, creators of the best office furniture designed to help you work better and live healthier. Visit upliftdesk.com forward slash mindcast for 5% off your order. And if you sit all day while you work and you've never tried a desk that can transition between sitting and standing, this is a complete game changer for you. My standing desk is by Uplift Desk. It's what I use every day to record the show, to do my office work. And I gotta say, the transition from sitting all day to standing while I work at various times throughout the day has really made a noticeable difference. When I'm standing, I notice that my energy is up. I'm way more focused and productive. I'm an alert and I even have a little standing treadmill under my desk now, which allows me to get some extra steps in while plugging away on calls and work. It keeps the blood flowing throughout the day, which we all know can reduce all types of inflammation different health risks, repetitive strain, and I noticed that my posture has drastically improved since switching to Uplift Desk as well because I'm not hunched over a computer all day. And while there's a lot of options out there, the reason I chose Uplift Desk is because of the quality. It doesn't wobble, it's completely stable, it's built to last, and you can tell based on the materials that they use and they are customizable too. Uplift Desk lets you build your custom dream desk by choosing from over 100 desktop choices and hundreds of accessories so you can build the perfect workspace for yourself using their fun to use desk configurator. Now, once you have your desk designed and ordered, they ship the same day, you get free shipping, they do free returns with free return shipping, and the best part is they have an industry leading 15 year warranty that covers the complete desk, which to me was a big deal, and it shows that they stand behind their product. Now to get yours, go to Uplift, desk.com forward slash mindcast for 5% off your order. That's upliftdesk.com forward slash mindcast to get 5% off your entire order. 
rocket science what needs to be done. It just seems to be, you know, fitting a square into a circle peg um, to do it because politics gets involved. Speaking of market swings, uh, kind of a wild story to start the week. There was an AI-generated photo of the Pentagon on fire. And the S&P fell 30 points in a matter of minutes, a $500 billion market cap swing off of a fake image. And the image and claim was spread by outlets, including uh, a Russian a Russian government-backed media company formerly known as Russia Today was the one that put it out. And it just shows how dangerous AI can be, especially when it comes to your finances. Obviously, they've got financial uh, you know, market makers with artificial intelligence now. You guys have been using artificial intelligence in a lot of ways, but it just yeah, shows how artificial intelligence is ultimately making its way into every sector of our economy and has obviously very positive things that many people have noted and highlighted over the course of the last, you know, six to nine months with um, ChatGPT coming out. But it's also got obviously some some dangerous sides to it. But this kind of segues into your prediction of what do you think this next big run, big leg up, you know, ultimately new ceiling that the market is going to break through is going to be driven by. And my guess right now is it's going to be artificial intelligence working its way into sectors of the economy where it's not necessarily been exposed or used or leveraged to the um, extent that it can be. And people are just starting to scratch the surface on using AI. I saw some, I know people use AI note takers. I know people use AI for marketing. I know they do it for brand and logo design. So it's going to displace a lot of, you know, entry level positions. But what that's going to do is cause, you know, we still have to feed into the artificial intelligence, right? Because of the first word of, of the thing is artificial. It's not real. It's derived off of real intelligence. And then it uses a basis of that to, to, to give the best outcome. So we're still the base case. We're still the Petri dish it's pulling from. I think that it's going to be exciting to see that get worked into things like autonomous driving. Um, how Tesla has... Uh, talked about and is continuously working on making it so that when you own a Tesla and you're not using it at night, maybe it goes out and it drives for you and it's a ride share and it's autonomously driving people around and making you money while it's doing it. Um, There's a lot of stuff that artificial intelligence can do for good. And to your point that you brought that article up to me, on the flip side, there's a ton of bad that it can do as well. it, it can spit out things in a manner. The reason we've used artificial intelligence and machine learning and algorithms in the past is to simply crunch data in a, in a matter and fashion that's not humanly possible. We can feed it batches of information that are just not, it's not possible for our, our, us to physically or mentally, we don't have the capacity to do that level of uh, processing. Leveraging that, I think, is really what's going to create kind of the next. I think I saw somebody say like the new Roaring Twenties, um, ironically, in the 20s, the 2020s, not the 1920s, so 100 years uh, forward. And uh, the Roaring Twenties was the Industrial Revolution, um, new businesses and uh, economies were emerging in the United States from that. 
um, textile businesses, car manufacturing, building manufacturing, things like that. So I think that has a lot of uh, ground to, to walk on and hold. And it's because if you look at what's leading right now, the market, when it is up, S&P is up about 9% year to date. Uh, it's Tuesday when we're recording this. I, I think that or I know that the leaders are large cap tech and a lot of them or the majority of them are in bed with some way with artificial intelligence. You have Microsoft, you have NVIDIA, you have Palo Alto Networks, you have uh, all these companies that are somehow have been working with or on artificial intelligence for many years and how they can get that incorporated to bring us to the next level. I think this is very similar to when the internet era came around about 20 years ago. Yep. Now that accelerated our technology forward so fast. And we saw that rapid growth from the mid 2000s all the way to kind of where we are now. I think we might have one of those potentially to come about. And if we didn't have like artificial intelligence as a catalyst, it's really hard to see where people are going to find the spark for growth metrics like that. Uh, the 2019 uh, year, which kind of ended the really big run in the, in the bull market. Um, I think that's a lot what a lot of people are looking for. And there's a potential for something like that to happen in the future if we have artificial intelligence accepted, picked up, and implemented in a way that benefits people in the way that a lot of developers think it can. We just have to move at a pace that makes sense because if we move at breakneck, we run the risk of putting ourselves in a situation where we are in uncharted territory doing things in, in hoping that we do them right. So again, moving not at breakneck pace, I think is also very important. And that's hard because it's, it's almost like, you know, we're in this scenario where we have to catch a falling knife. Possible, but it's really hard. Yeah, well, artificial intelligence moves at breakneck speed, which is the challenge, right? And I know this last week, uh, the EU and, and, and US are, are working together on trying to find healthy regulations and, and ways of monitoring the growth, the implementation, um, the oversight of it. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. 
AI because it does, like you said, feel like the internet era all over again. But I think it's going to happen at exponential speed yeah. as opposed to the internet era because of, you know, just the capability of information. Yeah, it's so crazy it's to think crazy. about like Wachovia Bank in 2008 and then SVB in 2023 and just like not a huge how fast assets moved out of the bank. And it was just due to an improvement of technology over, over a span of somebody's life to where they wouldn't be able to drive. Yeah. So it's not like it's, oh, hey, 50 years later and we're now doing this. It's like, hey, something that took seven days 13 years ago or 12 years ago, now it's taking two hours. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. That's, and that was done just with human ingenuity. Purely with the technology that we've come up with. Imagine when we can, hey, I can't do, I know what I need to do, but I can't do it fast enough. Yeah. Let me feed it into something that if I give it the right inputs, it will, it will derive an output that I'm looking for. That is what, I mean, think of it more simple. What are cars? What is a horse? Somebody figured out that walking was not the most efficient way of running. I get tired too fast, but I can ride a horse and then I can use a, a steam engine and I can use a combustion engine. I can use a rocket. Who knows what's next? Um, yeah. but, but we do that in other areas. And I think something that people need to not get worried about is the big thing that's being talked about because it's simple-minded thinking. Oh, well, this is going to replace jobs. This is going to get rid of my job. Every time car came around. Everybody who sold horses is not using horses now. But now there's, there's, a, there's a market for horses. They use them more for show and kind of that kind of stuff like that. There's, those jobs don't go away. They just now, now they don't need that. Now they need you they need a car mechanic. They don't need a horse. somebody to put shoes on the horse or they need to grow as much hay. They need to grow, they need to refine oil. It creates new industries. And it's not just like, one door closes and then this is just done. It's another opens and we keep moving forward. That is how capitalism works. Yeah, I mean, I, I am always, a, I've always been an early adopter of, of things. And AI, I've been leaning into this pretty big for the last, you know, six to nine months, just obsessing over it and seeing some of the stuff that is coming out and what people are working on and literally right in front of your eyes, entire new industries and economies are being built and opportunities flow within those industries and those sectors. And so it feels like internet 10.0 to me. Which also me. means there's going to be a lot of early players that don't make it. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of early players that don't make it. A couple of unicorns will come out of it. But if anything, I think going back to your point is massive opportunity for everyone will result from it. It's a it's, it is, this is the benefit of being a democratic republic. Everybody has the opportunity to take advantage of it if they so choose to do so. Yep. Doesn't mean that everybody will. There's going to be people that, there's going to be a lot of people that um, are smart, that make big bets on companies that fail. And that's, you know, failure is one of the catalysts or, or necessary ingredients to being successful. But somewhere out there is the company that's going to lead the way, the Microsoft, the Tesla, or the Apple, or the IBM. One of those, it'll be an epic name, an epic business name, and it will become that model for something else. And then the craziest thing is we'll have something else in the future like AI. Like maybe one day they figure out how to do like move cars and vehicles via just gravitational or magnetic or who knows. 
this is the way though that everything progresses and moves forward. So this I don't know really a lot about the Web3. I heard that's, that's starting to get talked up again because now AI has gone up. I'm, I'll be the first to tell you, I have not really explored that whatsoever. I know it has to do something with crypto and AI, but I'm not really into it. So I don't know how to comment on that. But these things are starting to get talked about again. While we have the 200-day moving average reversing sentiment, while we have the tail being at the tail end of this cycle, while we have so all this stuff is kind of happening right as the engine is getting primed, I think, to start up again. And then you also have the real estate market starting to turn around. Um, it's normally going to lag the stock market by six to eight months on going down and then on the turnaround coming back up because stocks go up, then interest rates go back down. Um but I, I'm really seeing, I think we said like a month ago, hey, we can now see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's getting brighter and brighter and brighter. The opportunity on getting in on some of these names is not closing, but the, the road to travel is becoming more and more and more narrow. And it's going to become 12 months, 18 months, 24 months from now, people are going to look back and be like, dang, I really wish I would have had the the guts or the wherewithal to either do it myself or give my money to somebody else and listen to them and let them be the expert and get in on this and buy and hold and be a part of that upswing. Yep. And then save for your real estate and then save for your syndications and your other stuff that's risky, but do it all. Just don't be the one that looks back and says, I wish I would have. I'm Market starts coming back up. Oh, I'm going to wait for it to pull back. Keeps going up. Oh man, I'm, I'm going to wait for the next dip goes back down. It's going to keep going down. You can't always just be the, uh, uh, a contrarian. Um, sometimes you have to be brave and take a risk in order to have growth. Speaking of uh, some growth, big news for Apple this week. They announced a multi-billion dollar deal with Broadcom mm -hmm. for US-made chips. How big of a deal is this for Apple and Broadcom? I know that it's going to... I'm trying to pull the data right now. I believe... It's a multi-billion dollar deal, but I don't want to say the wrong number. I don't think they've announced the exact number, but I'll put it this way. I know that when they did the Foxconn, it was somewhere around 430 to 500 billion that they committed over a, over a time span for those chips. Uh, and, and it wasn't the chips, it was the, um, the production of all the iPhones coming together and that stuff. It has the potential to be a very large... Um, deal. And I think the nice thing is Apple, I would argue, you know, Nokia has the highest selling phone, I think ever, 250, 260 million units, that little stick phone. Not kidding you. Apple is the second, I think 223, 225 million units, something like that sold on the, on the iPhone. If they say we're going to use US-based chips, not only will that that's going to put economies of scale to work and it's going to start lowering the prices of US-based chips. Others will soon follow. You should see Samsung start to get into US-based chips. They make some of their chips over in uh, South Korea already, but they should get into that. IBM is already starting to get in that space. AMD and NVIDIA are getting into that space. We need that type of infrastructure here because semiconductors, yeah. which is really what it is, they say chips, but they really mean semiconductors. Semiconductors are the backbone of our technology right now because it's the most efficient way we know how to do large crunching on little things like this. And, and the semiconductor business coming to the United States and getting out where it has been most of our you know, adult lives, which is 
uh, East Asia, developed East Asia, and Taiwan, it removes some of the geopolitical swings from it as well. Europe is behind us having it. Mexico is behind us having it. Uh, all of North America and most of South America, most of Europe, some of Asia. It's good for the U.S. to become the dominant producer of semiconductors because we have a more stable economy. Nobody invades or has ever invaded the United States, and I don't think anybody ever will. So it provides a lot more global stability as well because it's not just us. It's developing nations, developed nations. We rely on this. And so not having that as a, a bargaining chip that can be used by China or Russia or whatever other bad actor is a huge deal. It provides stability to regular people around the world that have no say or no give on what happens. And I think that's a really good thing that we're getting into that. Agreed. Recession talk continues. And it seems like it's, you know, when you hear something over and over and over, it's been, yeah. been for like a year and a half now. And this is where I keep telling people, well, here, hold on. Let me, let me finish my shot there, brother. Let me yeah, finish my thoughts. So recession talk with the confidence dropping, uh, a recent report came out from Yahoo Finance. And again, take every report <laughs> relative to who they're polling and the size of the poll and all those kind of things. Um, but we saw that 73% of millennials are living paycheck to paycheck. The debt to income ratio has reached record levels of 180%. Uh, more than 25 million households say they used credit cards or obtained a loan to meet spending needs. That's up 20. Uh, that's up from 22.4 million a year earlier. And uh, Muhammad Al Arian, somebody that I uh, I like him, yeah. Hearing his perspectives, um, he's ta he's really talking about this this gap of you know the the rich getting richer and the poor becoming poorer the economic well-being of us households in 2022 released um a report this week and results from the 2022 survey of households uh household economics and decision making they call it the shed report indicate a decline in people's financial well-being over the previous year the survey which was fielded in october of 2022 found that self-reported financial well-being fell sharply and was among the lowest observed since 2016. Similarly, the share of adults who said that they spent less than their income in the month before the survey fell in 2022 from the prior year, while the share who said that their credit card debt increased rose. Among adults who are not retired, the survey also showed a decline in the share who felt that their retirement savings plan was on track, suggesting that individuals had concerns about their financial uh, future financial security the declines in financial well-being across these measures provide an indication of how families were affected by broader economic conditions in 2022, such as inflation and stock market declines. So to circle back to this, to kind of propose a, a question to you, which, you know, this recession talk, one of the things this article talked about was, you know, when you keep hearing recession, 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 even if you have a job, you're beginning to wonder by hearing this over and over again, when is it going to hit you? And I think for the purpose of this conversation, what we try and talk about, right, is again, silencing a lot of the narratives that really aren't serving you, digging into the data, tapping into the right conversations, and continuing to execute on your plan or make proper adjustments based on what the data is telling you to your plan. So with that being said, right, Jamie Dimon, someone we both like as well, um, said, hey, be prepared for higher interest rates. 
you know, they may be a little bit higher. You said it's like seven percent. A little bit longer. Um, we've been seeing interest rates float between six and a half and seven percent. Um, so this idea of recession, if people start buying into it, talk about your perspective of how it can hurt their wealth and how it can ultimately move them in the wrong direction versus moving them in the right direction. What should they be doing? Uh, well, so the recession talk, again, it, it seems like it's just a cheap flag to wave when, you, when you're kind of, you know, hey, things are choppy and I'd rather be on the side of things being looking doom and gloom and be wrong versus be on the side where I'm preaching that the grass is, is greener and it's not. Um, the truth of the matter is, though, that we can look to data to help us forecast that stuff because feelings are not good forecasters for financial markets. They're, they're one of the worst. Um, but if we look at just bond spreads, bond spreads do not tell us that there is a recession looming or imminent or anything like that. And as I mentioned before, the 200-day moving average reversing momentum and starting to trend back up, if we go to an equal weight S&P 500, that also is not indicative of a recession. We have the NASDAQ um, breaking out above its prior, I believe, March high, which it was kind of range-bound. It broke out above that resistance and held and is continuing to hold. That is not a bearish uh, thing or being indicative of a recession. So there's a lot of things that, from a data perspective, things that don't care about us, they don't care about politics, they're just numbers. Numbers would argue that that's not that doesn't really add up. Um, and the tail end, like I said, of the yield curve continues to push higher. Although there is a shorter end, um, parts of the yield curve typically towards the two-year and the, to the one month that are a little peaked still. We have the 30-year trading at like 3.977 to 4%, which is the highest it's been since I believe uh, maybe June or March of last year, long time ago. So um, it, it's, it's allowing us to get back into the normalcy of we've, we did go through a recession. It was not called a recession due to politics, but it's a rolling recession where areas of the market typically don't go down when they do go down in the, uh, or, or get bad like unemployment, consumer spending, the housing market. But they are not great at the same time because to purchase those items or to get into those areas is hard. It's hard to find a job where you can make enough money still to cover your expenses on the lower end. It's hard to go get a car because the loan is expensive. It's hard to get a house because the, the cost of money is expensive. But I'll remind people back to 2011 where stocks, it appears, were ignoring interest rates. And I believe they're, they're doing that right now. They are not worried about inflation being sticky and they're not worried about and even another hike or a cut. They just want a loosening of the belt so that pretty much money can be spent again. And I'll remind people, the Fed doesn't affect the five-year or the 10-year or the two-year or the one month. The Fed changes the Fed funds overnight rate. It's just the, the rate that banks charge each other to lend each other money so that they can meet their reserve requirements at the end of the day. That's all the Fed does. Banks choose how much the interest rates are on your loan based on what they need to make on the delta on their portfolio to lend you out. So those, the Fed is not doing anything wrong. And when they start cutting, 
this is going to be the, the sign of which banks are behind the consumer and which banks are not. You should see interest rates start to go down very aggressively the second they start pausing or cutting. And some banks are going to try to hold, just like used car prices are still trying to hold at dealerships. But they're starting to now negotiate because used car prices are down 12% from their peak. And dealers are trying to make it the norm what's going on there. The same thing will happen with lenders because we are tightening up on the, on the bank side, but we're still seeing money go out into the market for, with quality uh, deals. It's just lesser and lesser. So hold, hold out. Don't worry about stuff. I would caution, and I think Maddie would be behind this, real estate investors, you need to be pencil, penciling out like an Armageddon uh, performa like 2.5% above your current interest rate, make, making a pencil out. Because then, you know, if you can at least break even on a property like this and then refinance your portfolio in the future, you're going to be hitting the bag. But it's just, it's, a, it's a, not a time for you to be getting into real estate investing. How about that? It's a time for real estate investors who are seasoned to take advantage of opportunities because it's going to be the, the major leagues, I believe, in real estate and for the next six to eight months, especially on the commercial side. Yeah, I would say on the commercial side, for sure. I mean, I think I never would want to deter anybody from doing anything, right? Just like you would. I would. I would straight up say, save your money and wait until things are a little easy. Because this is, this is honestly like going in on a baseball game and the ninth inning base is loaded with two outs and you got the four, the four batter up. It is yeah. it, like... It, I would say it's challenging, but at the same time, right? It'd be like you saying in a challenging stock market to keep your money on the sideline and never unless you're willing to make sure i would say this i would tell someone unless you're willing to lose it because if you put it in it will go away the problem with people that get into real estate is they leverage into it and they're like i'm gonna go buy yeah agree million dollar deal and then it doesn't work out yeah no i agree put 20 grand into the stock market and lose their ass and they'll be pissed but they're at least there's that's a little bit more recovery well, I think back about somebody saying, wow, look at this cheap, like what you're doing in Vegas. I see a distressed property, but I don't have experience with distressed properties. But because it looks like it's a good deal, I'm going to get into it because I know something about this property that the operator who's owned it for a while doesn't, even though I don't have the experience. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I would say to that point, right, it's, it goes back to just you, you, can't, you can't invest what you're not willing to lose. And right now, the likelihood of there being a lot higher risk for entry into the marketplace, it's, it's a lot, lot higher than it's been. That's why you give before. Matt money and he goes and buys the real estate. Or you give me your money and I go and pick the investments. There's where you provide a buffer on your risk. Because honestly, if you're not the expert in it, it's very hard. It's not hard to make money in an easy economy, real estate or the stock market. Look at how many millionaires are made in 2020 to 2021 with both. It's hard not to lose money when shit hits the fan. And that's where we are right now. So we're starting to see the housing market actually recover a little bit. Yes. And this is a little bit of a problem for the Fed. Uh, The average number of offers received per sold property uh, was dropping over the tail end of, you know, Q3 and Q4 of 2022. Um, And it bottomed out right where it looks to be in like late December, early January. And it's starting to climb again. Uh, with more competitive offers coming in. Seasonality a little bit. Data uh, that was released on new home sales at 683,000, the annual rate in April. Uh, it's a 4%, 4.1% uh, 
um, above the revised March rate of 656, and it is 11.8% above the April 2022 estimate of 611,000. We saw U.S. home prices had their biggest annualized drop, though, in over 11 years. And the National Association of uh, Realtors reported that home prices saw the biggest drop since 2012. So a lot of a lot of challenges in sorting through a lot of this data, right? You hear on one side, hey, there's more offers, more competition. But at the same time, there are, you know... <laughs> prices dropping in certain markets and certain markets prices are continuing to climb still. We saw inventory increased 0.9% week over week. Uh, Again, still down 53.3% compared to the same week in 2019 pre-pandemic numbers. So it's an interesting time right now for people to really understand how to really make sense of this market. And so that's why you should not go and telling you, Matt exists, I exist, and we are around and doing well for a reason. Um, We know what we're doing, and we have experience doing what we're doing. Matt was was on the traditional side. I got to get a picture of your ass from Keller Williams back with that green tie. Matt was on the traditional side, I believe, right through 2008, 2007, 8, 9, 10. Saw probably the worst real estate market we've seen in, man, many decades, mm-hmm. saw it recover, saw what people did wrong, saw what people did right from a, from a perspective that's hard to have. And now he's here today and he has that perspective to share. My, you know, I'll never be able to say I had clients in 2008, but I at least had my father around and he gets to tell me what he did and what he would have done right and what he did that worked out. And he was around during the dot-com bust and he was around during the recession in the... Um, early mid 90s. And he was around in the 70s and the 80s and hyperinflation. So I have that perspective to apply as well. We have experience to make sure that you don't make the wrong decisions. Because there's a lot of wrong decisions to be made when you don't know what you're doing. But there's a ton of opportunity out here. Um, and I'm seeing, you know, the more people say recession, the more I'm looking for opportunities in stocks. Matt and I both own Meta. We don't, you know, we are not fans of Mark Zuckerberg's little pale Sun, sun-kissed skin on his little uh, foil out in Tahoe. But I believe Matt's up like 146, and I think I'm up about 112% on that position. There is areas to make money. You just have to know where to look. There's always a bull market. Money does not disappear. Never forget that. Yep. I think now more than ever, it's just leaning on, you know, whoever in your world is your trusted counsel. And if you don't have those individuals, right? lean into finding some because uh, you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, there's a lot of people that I avoided mistakes from their wisdom of the mistakes they made in their own journey. I was able to capitalize on opportunities and get more aggressive in areas that I wasn't as confident in by taking, you know, the advice from their wisdom based on their experiences. And so I think it's just in these kind of times, it's really important to be careful who you listen to, who you don't listen to, and ultimately who you surround yourself with that give you the confidence to keep moving the needle forward on your goals. I think that's most important is uh, I'm not going to say I'm right all the time. Um, I'm wrong. We know that. And and, and I'm not going to (laughs) say that I'm wrong all the time. But what I can say is I've got a really strong council of people around me and I'm humble enough to listen to them. And I'm also confident enough to take 
action on the things that I believe in and the dots mm. that I've tried to connect and the data that I've done the research in. And it's also one of those things too, where, you know, when you hear a lot of people talk about getting lucky um, or feeling confident, a lot of times that comes back to preparation and the people right. who feel unlucky or the people who feel unconfident are the people that actually aren't doing the work, put in the work when you know you need to. And the beauty is when you put in that work, you know, you can, you can feel confident in the actions that you're taking and also live with the results that you're getting because you know you put your best foot forward. And yeah. you're either going to win or you're going to learn, right? But most importantly, you're in the game. And every time you step into that batter's box, you get a little bit better, a little bit sharper, a little bit more right, acute with how you're going about, at least in the context of you know, your financial future, taking swings at the right pitches. You're not going to hit them all. You're not going to get on base every single time. But over time, you're going to see your batting percentage increase. You're going to put points up on the board. And that's what you want to do over the game of you know, money. Winning the game of money, winning the game of wealth is you don't need to hit a grand slam every time. You don't need to hit a home run every time. But you do need to get in the batter's box to even give yourself a chance to get on base and eventually put points up on the board. And that's the purpose of being involved in these kind of conversations. So you know we're going to continue to keep you guys up to date, in the loop, keeping a pulse on all the things that we think are important to be paying attention to. If you have any questions, don't forget to shoot those in at 844-447-1555 to take advantage of the free financial x-ray and connecting with Ryan and his team. Just text the word x-ray to that same phone number, 844-447-1555. And if you are an accredited investor, you want to get on my deals list, text the word deals to that same phone number. We got all kinds of great stuff for you guys to check out on the Millionaire Mindcast store as well as the show notes, the links, all the resources, everything we talk about at millionairemindcast.com. With that being said, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're gonna get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really in most cases, overcharged, and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word deals to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out and last don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.